Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this is Unschooling Scholars, episode 14. And today's date is Wednesday, April 12th, 2023. <clears throat> for those that are live with us, hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining. Um, we've got a really exciting show planned for tonight. Um, we've been, you know, the weather's finally been nice. And so we've kind of gotten our hands dirty in the soil and, um, <clears throat> I've been seeing a lot of farmers around here getting their their um, their farms ready to go. So it, it, spring is definitely in the air in Illinois. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, Victory Gardens and what they did um, during the Great Depression to, um, you know, make it through the hard times. So um, we're going to talk about that and then how we can grow our own Victory Garden and just um, what plants need to survive. So um, if you would, just please bow your heads. We're going to open a quick word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly tonight to just thank you so very much for, for this time that we have together, Lord. Um, I ask that you work through me, Lord, so that I can be a vessel for you and just share all of your glory with those who will listen tonight or those who will listen later on down the line, Lord. Um, I just ask for those that are starting their gardens this year, whether it's their first year or they've been doing it for 20 years, that you bless them and their gardens, Lord, and watch over them from from all of the crazy that we have in this world, Lord. Just let their their um, plenty be let their bounty be plentiful, and just let you know everybody's gardens just take off this year, Lord. Um, and for those who don't know how to garden, I hope that maybe um, they can learn a thing or two tonight from the things that we're going to share. Um, and uh, for those who are, are considering growing a garden, just let them see that it, it's truly, it, it's a wonderful time to spend with you, Lord. Um, just being out there the way that you intended, growing our own food and, and just having it straight from the garden to your, your table is just we thank you. We just thank you for, for those blessings. Um, and for those that are struggling right now, Lord, I just pray that you be with them. Um, those that are sick, Lord, that you heal them. Uh, those that may be anxious or depressed, Lord, just soothe their soul. Let them lean into you, Lord, and know that through you, all things truly are possible. Through your son, Jesus, all things are possible, Lord. And we thank you for sending your son to us. Um, just be with us and guide us. In your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we've got Matt here with us tonight. Matt's kind of been helping us out with the garden. Um, not kind of a lot. He's he's the heavy lifter. We had how many trees? We got three trees. Three trees, one bush, three grapevines, and a partridge and a pear tree. <laughs> yeah, we've been um, busy out there. and We're zone five planting so um a lot of times they usually say like late april early may is you know when we get our last frost and i was looking at the weather and it showed i think monday night we're supposed to get down to like 32 yeah so we haven't really planted anything in the ground although what did you plant yesterday the garlic and potatoes in the ground and potatoes yeah, yeah. So um, <clears throat> the other day, the kids and I were out on the back patio, and it never fails. It's like every time we go to plant, the wind picks up tenfold. And yesterday was beautiful outside, and the skies were super blue, and all of a sudden, there's chemtrails everywhere. And, of course, they make X's everywhere, and all of a sudden, the wind started picking up, so we had seeds. Caden, uh, <laughs> poor thing, he planted wildflowers, um, pollinators, and just other things for the bees and for the birds and the butterflies. And a big uh, gust of wind came and blew like three planters over, and all the seeds went everywhere. <laughs> it's just like, Lord, please help us out here. You know, like we just couldn't catch a break. And it doesn't matter <clears throat> if we plant in April, May, June, it does not matter. The wind will come. And I remember last year when your mom was here. Remember we were planting and we had the soil bags and they were just blowing everywhere and it just, it never fails. It's kind of like a sick joke. Like, here you go. You want to plant some food and we're going to make it difficult for you. And so it just, we, we managed, but um, we've got a little greenhouse that Matt bought for me last year for Mother's Day and we're finally using it. I bought some grow lights and so um, <clears throat> had the kids outside yesterday and we just filled um, red solo cups up with dirt and put some seeds in there and we prayed over them and 
now they're inside growing in our little greenhouse and hopefully we'll see some sprouts. Um, I don't know, I've never used grow lights before, so this is a first for us. So we're, you know, we're just, we're trying to see what, what's gonna work and what's not, so. <clears throat> what about those trees? What did we get? We got a plum tree. We got a plum. Peach, uh, peach and, and, an apple. and an apple, yeah. And another thing I didn't know, you know, again, this is all new for us, trees, fruit trees, a lot of them need, you know, pollinators to get them to thrive. So um, I didn't know, I didn't read the tag. I mean, I read the back, like how you plant it and everything, but I didn't see until we got home that you needed other pollinators for these trees. And so um, thankfully we put them in threes because that's what it said to do is divide it in threes. So um, we're just spraying, you know, the roots took to the ground and they look pretty good. But um, hmm. as far as fruit goes, I don't really know a It'll whole lot about that. But yeah, I'm sure we're not going to get fruit this year, but um, who knows how long we're going to be here. I just, I have this feeling we're going to be stuck here. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I just have a feeling when, uh, you know, what hits the fan, it's just like we're going to be stuck. So Texas, here I come. Texas. I don't know where we're going. Wherever the Lord sends go, us, that's where we're stay going. With Conley. <clears throat> I'm going to ship you to Conley along with the kids if you don't <laughs> knock it off. My goodness. Oh, goodness. So, um, you know, when I first started listening to Scott um, from Bards FM, um, he talked a lot about, you know, victory gardening and <clears throat> Patriot Gardens is what he calls it. And so that kind of predates back to, you know, the Great Depression era, which was victory gardens. And so, um, you know, back during that time, people had to grow their own food you know, because they were rationed and um, they just, they didn't, you know, they weren't able to just go to the grocery store like we can today to get the food that we needed. And um, so that's what they did. They grew victory gardens and um, it's, the, go ahead. No, so the main means of, uh, was getting everybody involved was to put up flyers. And well, yeah. there was about 20 million people to answer, which equated to about 40% of the uh, vegetable growth. It says victory gardens are essential. So this was um, from, this was issued February 1942 and it was revised in January 1943. There's a website and I'm going to share the link for this. It's from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So there are so many different publications that you can get um, that, you know, go all the way back to the 40s. And, you know, me, I love history. So this was really fun for me to. My basement loves history as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it says Victory Gardens by Victor Roswell, principal horticulturist and assistant head of division, division of fruit and vegetable crops and diseases, Bureau of Plant Industry, Agricultural Research and Administration. So <clears throat> this says Victory Gardens are essential. In times of war, the country's food supply for civilians may be smaller, even though total production is greatly increased. The burdens of World War II are already creating serious food production, distribution, and preservation problems. Labor and machinery shortages interfere with production. Overloaded railroads and restricted motor transport interfere with distribution. And inadequate supplies of labor, steel, and tin demand that civilians depend less on foods canned in tin. There's now real need for civilians to relieve the burden on commercial food sources transportation and preservation by growing all food that is practical at home and preserving, storing, and using it over as much of the year as possible. More than $200 million worth of vegetables, not counting potatoes and sweet potatoes, were grown in farm home gardens in 1939. Now think about that. This is from 1942. $200 million worth of vegetables. That was a lot of money during that time. I can only imagine what that equates to today. <clears throat> um, these 4,800,000 home gardens produce vegetables worth a little more than those grown for sale on 3 million acres. Thus, it is obvious that homegrown vegetables can and do furnish a substantial part of our national requirements. If all farmers grow better gardens and all favorably located town dwellers also do their best, a still greater share of the civilian requirements can be met. Now all civilians need to do to help themselves by home food production insofar as practicable so that more of the country's commercial resources can be devoted to military and lend-lease food requirements. So <clears throat> essentially they encouraged, you know, people to grow their own food so that 
the food that was grown on the farms could be sent to you know the soldiers that were fighting in the war and here it's like how dare you encourage somebody to grow their own food and not be dependent on the system because then they don't need the system you know you can see how much times have changed and um, I saw something today that said we sent a small group of troops to Ukraine, you know, so we are in World War Three. You know, I don't care what anybody says. I mean, you can clearly see that, you know, the writing is on the wall. And I do believe that um, it's only going to be a matter of time, I think, before we are going to be out of food. And, you know, I think it was Duncan that had said on his show the other night that they burnt up like 18,000 calories, you know, however much that was. And it's like they're creating all these shortages. They're poisoning the water and they're burning up all these um, <clears throat> food distribution centers and killing off the chickens. And so, you know, victory gardens are really going to be essential again, just as they were in World War II. And so, um, you know, they always say history repeats itself. And I feel like we're already there. And I know many of us, you know, in the Bards Nation, we, um, we've already started growing our own foods. And if it wasn't for Scott, I probably wouldn't have started a garden because, <clears throat> for one, I had no idea what I was doing. And two, um, I was like, that takes a lot of work. You know? But what I've learned throughout this time that we've started gardening is that it's so, it's relaxing, it's peaceful. And there's nothing like sitting down at your dinner table and having something fresh from the garden, you know. And so... Um, you know, it's a big kind of F you to, <laughs> to the man because it's like, we don't need you. We can grow our own food and trying to be self-sustainable is important, especially, you know, in today's world because they want to be in control of everything. Um, so back to this article, it says, <clears throat> we need minerals and vitamins. Americans as a group have not been eating enough of those foods that are rich in minerals and vitamins necessary for good growth and health. Surveys by nutrition experts and the large number of rejections under the Selective Service Act both emphasize the need for improving our eating habits. Some people have not been eating sufficient quantities of vegetables rich in vitamins and minerals because they could not get them, but millions have not eaten enough of these essential vegetables because of the lack of knowledge, indifference, or unfortunate food habits, even though they could easily afford and obtain them. And think about today, you know, we're so quick to just go through a drive through you know. I mean, truly, how many vitamins are we getting from? Not one. I mean, it's, it's cheap fast food, and at that point in time, it's, it's nothing but empty calories. And Well, that's just it. And, you and know? It's, a, it's an influx of uh, saturated fats mm -hmm. and, you know, un unallocated energy. I mean, it's literally eating fudge pudding at that time. Right. And, you know, the vitamins, they, we need those vitamins, you know, they help our immune system and that way we can fight off whatever disease they decide to throw on us next, you know, and so <clears throat> growing your own, you know, when I buy my seeds, I always get heirloom non-GMO seeds, but I was reading an article sadly, and it said that if your next door neighbor has a garden and they're not using non-GMO seeds, um, you know, that stuff can pollinate to your own vegetables, but it's still better than eating McDonald's cheeseburger, you know. Um, but there are just so many nutritional, um, even then, back in, you know, the 1930s and 40s, we we're still saying people weren't getting enough vitamins. And um, I mean, like, prior to that, you had the Great, the great Depression that was occurring. Right. So, I mean, it was already, you went from World War One, um, which you had some involvement into it. So there was already a strain on the industrial complex there where they were allocating resources into that then the great depression you know was occurring around the same time so you had a lot going on well yeah we always have a lot going on and we just we're always you know we need to look out for ourselves because if we don't look out for ourselves who's going to look out for us you know um and they were forcing i mean it, it was pretty much victory gardens were a reflux of all, all scrap metals rubbers all that, all those vital raw resources were mm -hmm. being shipped overseas. So it's like, right? There was no canning because everybody was on that can, you know, a lot of canning preservation. Right, and that's what we're on. doing today. You and know? then it was no longer a viable option at that point in time because those industrial complexes were being activated, and they were having to make, you know, beer and vegetable complexes, you know, where they're right. shoving canned foods to turn into bullet making factories. Well, yeah. It says national health as well as personal well-being demands that we learn more about what vegetables we need 
and then make special efforts to use those vegetables effectively. Nutrition experts advise people to get their vitamins from food rather than from indiscriminate use of synthetic preparations. And so <clears throat> this booklet I'm going to share with you guys, this is truly such a great piece of information. This is, I think, before everything got corrupted. <clears throat> but it says, who should grow vegetables? Every family living on a farm or country place should, of course, have a vegetable garden. Despite the adverse climate for much of the year in some regions or difficult soil problems, it is practical at some season to raise some of the vegetables listed in Table 1 with fair success. Even if special handling or treatment such as irrigation, drainage, or protecting by windbreaks or fences is necessary, a garden should be grown. And it says most people in small towns and villages either have suitable garden spots on their own or can obtain the use of conveniently located small plots of reasonably good soil that are not too steep, too wet, mm -hmm. or too shady. In most cases, it's not necessary or not very satisfactory to attempt gardening at any great distance from home. Inconvenience results in neglect. However, small town and village dwellers who can't find good areas near at hand can learn to grow vegetables profitably. Fresh vegetables out of one's own garden give a particular satisfaction and pleasure. Wartime mm -hmm. restrictions on travel and on the use of automobiles will keep people at home more and give them more time for gardening. Increased living costs will also doubtless encourage the production of more food at home. And that's what we're seeing today. We see, you know, going to the grocery store, just how much everything costs. And, you know, I could buy a pack of seeds. I went to the Dollar Tree and I bought four packs for a dollar. They're non-GMO, they're heirloom, um, they're good seeds. And we've always had, you know, pretty well production from those seeds. Um, this year I spent a little bit more on um, some other seeds that I found and, you know, checking out different websites. And there's so many different websites I can share seeds. Uh, Papa's Garden is a good one. I got bush beans and lima beans from him, and those did really well last year. So, um, I mean, you think about it. If you spend $2 on a pack of seeds, just imagine how much food you can get out of those seeds, you know? So the longevity, I mean, yes, it takes work and it takes time, but once you get going and then you can can whatever you have left over and save it for the next year, um, we've been dehydrating, you know, vegetables too, Catherine, um, encouraged me to do that again and she kept saying you know um you can buy the frozen vegetables or you can get fresh and there's different times and there's a book it's called the um what is that the bible the uh dehydrator bible i think it's called um but there's just a lot of you know good information out there you can find a lot of stuff online too so you know even that will help make it through the winter so um in illinois i guess we're considered like the breadbasket of the nation a lot of um, vegetables and things come from the state of Illinois and we've got pretty good soil here and um, it's just you know learning it's a learning curve we've been doing this now this is the fourth year I think we've been doing gardens we started out with three garden beds and I think we've got nine now <laughs> so it's like every year we just keep adding on and like we said we planted grapes we had green red and purple grapes um, we got a blueberry bush we got the three fruit trees Again, I don't know what's going to take and what's not. We also have a um, a bed of strawberries I bought from Gurney's last year. They're like these monstrous strawberries are supposed to grow. And all the leaves are there. We just don't have any berries yet. But I'm hoping that um, we start getting some of those soon. And just, you know, watching everything grow and having the kids out there. It's just, it's it's really great to, to watch all that happen. So, um some of these things, it says there's a table of vegetables as sources of vitamins, minerals, and energy. Um, so there's beans, the green beans, snap peas, beets, cabbage, carrots, chard, collards, corn, kale, lettuce, parsnips, potatoes, spinach, squash, sweet potatoes, tomatoes, turnip greens, and turnips white. Um, and they just talk about the different vitamins. Vitamin A, thiamine, absorbic acid, riboflavin, calcium, iron, um, and then the energy value. It says calories per pound. And so it just, it, you know, it lays out a whole, um, the really good vitamins and the minerals and the energy. This is data of the Bureau of Home Economics. Home Economics. We don't even have that anymore, I don't think. Uh, we do here when we homeschool. That's one of the amazing things about homeschooling. They're just teaching the kids, you know, 
they're learning how to cook different things and kind of how to make things on their own. And uh, of course, obviously it's supervised, but um, that's another thing. Having your, your home garden, you can go right out to the garden and come in and, and cook. Um, so this again, this is from the Victory Gardening pamphlet. Um, and it says a continuous supply should be the goal. When growing vegetables for vitamins and health, a continuous supply of a few health-giving kinds should be the goal. One should guard against planting so much of one vegetable at one time that it will result in a surplus and profitable waste, only to be followed by long periods without vegetables. Although some vegetables are suited to planting in intervals over a long period to furnish a continuing supply, others are suited to such a narrow range of changing season that successive plantings are not recommended. Thus, a number of kinds of vegetables or varieties of one kind must be depended upon to provide a continuity of fresh produce. Single plantings, however, of lima beans, some pole snap beans, chard, and tomatoes, and in the south, a fall, collards, kale, spinach, and turnips, planted in late summer, remain in a usable stage in the garden for a considerable time after frost. Some understanding of the behavior of each of the crops under local conditions is necessary in order to plan the best planting schedule and get the most out of the facilities and resources available. Effective gardening requires thought and work before and all through the entire season and in the south the year round. So I know you grew up like with your grandma, they had a farm and they were planting. You obviously grew up in the south. Like, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember helping her? Like, I mean, no, Everybody collards is a big thing. Collards, snap peas sitting on the back porch with a big old, like, uh, hose basket of, uh, of uh, peas and a pair of scissors and cutting off the ends. Gosh. Well, those stories are true. They're all true. <laughs> So, do you remember like growing things in like the colder climate? Uh, I remember my mother being rejoicing whenever it was first frost season because I could see the collards grow. So those they grow were, better in like the cooler climate? No, but they they taste better. They have like I don't know something to do with the first frost, and they were always excited whenever the first frost comes because that means you know the collards are going to be good. Well, we tried growing some here last year, and we did not have success no. with that. Maybe because we planted it when we planted the other stuff. So it should be like colder. I don't know. I don't know. What? Oh, uh, Dad, the kids are upstairs. We told them to stay up there today. <laughs> Very rambunctious. Yes, they were out playing kickball today and they got a lot of energy out. And then we came home and they had to do their schoolwork and they were not happy about that. But I was like, you know, you got your energy out. Now you have time to sit down and, and do what you got to do. Yeah, he said his brain was too tired today, so he couldn't finish his schoolwork, but he did. You find interesting about a victory garden? Um, I just love the fact that we can grow things like carrots. Last year we had such a great turnout of these carrots, and um, we had so many at the end of the season. I didn't even realize we had that many. Um, and then we had a canum. I mean, just think about the change, right? Mm -hmm. Whenever, like, we always talk about things like doing the original and then adding the supplemental, right? So you could can your uh, your vegetables to have throughout the winter whenever you're not producing them, right? Mm -hmm. And just look at you have the complete adverse now, like where you're just using canned vegetables for everything, and gardens are not not even a thing in certain places, like in certain subdivisions, you can't even have them; they're non-existent, right? And you're talking about a span of what, about 80 years ish? From the war, you mean? Till from now? the war, I mean, how many actual, I mean, out of 343 million people, how many people do you actually think garden nowadays? Well, you know, I have to admit, since COVID, I've been seeing a lot of gardens popping up, like in the neighborhood. I've seen more flower beds and people doing side projects. I have, I mean, well, the, the typical gardeners, maybe this, you know, have done gardens traditionally yeah but i've seen like maybe two or three everything else is in flower beds well you're not paying much attention because i'm seeing them all over and i can always tell when it's like an actual like vegetable garden bed because a lot of them they're raised and they also have you know like trellises and things like that for 
such things as like uh, squash and cucumbers to grow up on. You know, flowers, obviously, you're going to see flowers. But marigolds, I was reading, um, like companion gardening, they talk about like what grows best with, you know, each other. And marigolds um, often are great to plant along with your vegetables because they keep pests away. And, you know, we talk about potassium and um, phosphorus and nitrogen and, you know, all the things that the, the plants need. And so, you know, different things give off um, <clears throat> different requirements like the, the soil. So, um, but yeah, I've been noticing a lot of people actually um, planting food gardens. Um, so it says, how to arrange the planting. If the garden plot slopes appreciably and is subject to washing of the soil, the rows should not run up and down the hill. If the plot is nearly level, the rows should run a long way of the area for the convenience in working. Tall growing crops should be placed preferably on the north or west side of the garden so that they will not shade the low ones. That's interesting. That's it's something you don't think about. Well, it's a missed, it's a missed, uh, missed topic, you know, like if you're sitting there planning out your garden bed, you're, you're thinking about where to place them, where they're conveniently right. located, but, you know, taking into consideration that, you know, corn might block out your broccoli or right. your carrots. You don't really think about things like that, well, you know? Like, you know, taking your uh, bird bath, actually. You've got a solar-powered, you know, water spritzer or waterfall, water fountain apparatus in there and every time that noon hits it starts dying <laughs> because it's right yeah. bucked up against it well you can't put it in the middle of the yard oh yeah but those are just things you don't think about and that's all you know trial and error um and it says insofar as practicable practicable <laughs> the first plantings of small and early vegetables practicable not practical, but practicable. As early vegetables should be along the south or east side, later crops being sown progressively across the area. This orderly procedure helps avoid confusion and damage to the earlier sowings. In general, flat culture is preferable too and requires less work than growing the crops on raised beds or ridges. Ridges, however, must be used on poorly drained areas where heavy normal rainfall results in frequent surface flooding and on areas where the furrow method of irrigation is to be used. I hear that too. Okay. So you're relatively still new to the gardening game. What would you recommend somebody do for their first little garden bed? Like if they were going to create it, I mean, they create, you know, go get a, a two by eight mm -hmm. and make their own, or they can just go straight to the ground. Right. Soil type. Well, that's just it, depending on the soil. And maybe taking time to learn what kind of zone they're in. As far as climate goes, definitely. Like I said, we're zone five, and you know that you got to know when the frost is. You yep, know, when's the last huge. frost going to be? Because, well, like, last year, look at we waited till later, and then we planted, and then a week later, we had a whole week full of cold, like frost cold. So even those days, that's why I waited purposely this year to wait a little bit longer, and then we did the indoor planting because. I just have a feeling we're going to have a whole week of frost and all those plants yeah, are going to die. Well, yeah, but we're not, I don't know what zone you guys are in over there, but, and that's what it says in the South, you, you have more, um, well, yeah, I remember Ryan passed those tobacco fields. Um, but yeah, I think for somebody for here, for Illinois, um, tomatoes have always grown really great. Cucumbers? Would you, start, would you buy like a, a tomato plant, like a starter plant first? No. I would. Your... No. I, I, you know, here, like with the peppers, you yeah. grow the seeds indoors. So that way when it's time to plant them, you transfer them to so the ground. Start it indoors first. Yeah. I've learned that from the past three years. It's better to just do it indoors because last year we started too late with the peppers. So I bought some pepper plants and they were only maybe six inches tall. Well, it's like a northern climate. Better well, yeah. So now this year I knew, okay, we're not going to buy any pepper plants, but we're going to grow our own indoors and then we can transfer them to the ground. So I think that's really important for like this state, this zone is that you, you get those started indoors. We've had a lot of good luck though, just planting, um, like the carrot seeds just went directly into the ground last year and they did wonderful. Um, 
Yeah, they were, and they were really pumpkins. good. The pumpkin, oh goodness, yes, pumpkins grow great here. That's I think why we have so many pumpkin patches. Volunteer, volunteer yes. seats. Well, they're going to be all over the backyard this year. No, you're not. Um, what else grew really good here? Um, what did we have last year? Um, we had cabbage, but the bugs got to that, so we've yeah. got to figure well, yeah, out. That's what you're talking about, mainly. Right? Mm -hmm. right. So, you know, we'll find something to kind of keep the pests away. Um, and then another thing with the broccoli. Broccoli did horrible, and I had no idea. That was the first year I tried broccoli, and it just flowered. It didn't actually. Learning. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and so every year we try something different, and we see what works and what doesn't. We've tried corn for three years, and Illinois is known for corn. And we just cannot get it. So I'm going to try the Three Sisters method this year with that. Um, yeah, we can stop stuff, but we're just not getting the bugs off of it. Because there's not enough phosphorus. So we would need the manure. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute, about what plants need and, and kind of, you know, what to look out for and what do you need to do for them. But It, would, it also depends on you growing them to, into the ground, right? If, you're, if your soil is not fertile enough or the pH levels are off, that's, a, that's, a, that's an area of concern, you know. Like with trees, it's totally different, right? So I was watching a horticulturist, and he was talking about the the best way to uh, plant trees is just to go straight into the ground, right? Don't add any uh, uh, don't add any additional soil because it'll create like a uh, what is that like a potted plant effect, and it will trap the soil, create mold, and end up killing off the tree, and you know you'll be frustrated. Whereas it's just like, hey, just go straight into the ground. Add some, you know, uh, nitrogen. Yeah, definitely nitrogen and phosphorus. See, they said get closer to the mic. You're sitting all the way back there. Waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm out of my element. I don't have no oranges. Yeah, we're Tough doing times. keto again, so no oranges for you. Um, but, um, so here, this, this is a scheme for a very small garden. I think that's one of the big things that kind of turns people away too. It's like I don't have a lot of yard space. But there's so many different things that you can do with, you know, between potted plants and, um, like we've got the raised beds. Uh, or like window, like yeah, whenever's got a windowsill. Right, window, yes, vertical. That's a yeah, a great one, Mary. Vertical. They even make um, those plants like pot, um, like those things that Caden has the uh, the wildflowers in. Yeah. It's got like the three places to put your pots, and then they stack. So I've seen a lot of people do that in tomatoes. Um, and then there's hydroponics too, which I've never tried, so I'm not even going to talk on that tonight. But <clears throat> um, so this is for a very small garden, 30 by 50 feet, which is approximately one thirtieth of an acre. So they've got whole snap beans. Um, and then it says after harvesting the beans, follow with three rows of purple top globe turnips. Um, and then they've got lima beans. They've got tomatoes. They've got chards, which I've never even had those. Um, lettuce. Beans. Don't forget beets. Beets, yeah. Carrots, turnips, which I think we tried growing those last year and we didn't have any luck with that. But those were in the grow bag, so yeah. I don't. I'm not going to try that again. Cabbage, onions, radishes, and spinach. So again, this is all um, just the 30 by 50 feet. Um, very, you know, not much space, but, um, you can grow so much and you think about it like tomatoes, you can use for lots of different things. You can stew them. You can make chilies with them. You can do pasta sauce, uh, lima beans. I love like green beans. Those are my favorite carrots, um, good for salads and, you know, there's just so many nutrients and vitamins. So, you know, if cabbage soup, cabbage soup I remember your grandma making that. That was one of the first things she ever made for me. And you just kind of throw all the vegetables in there and make a good vegetable soup, you know. And then, too, like, what do you like to eat? Me, I'm kind of picky when it comes to vegetables. I have a texture issue. Um, <laughs> so I, I like everything crunchy. from okra to, like, it's not like, I just kind of got accustomed to growing up in the South. Like, there was never a time I could tell them, you know, anybody, like, I don't like this because, Kind of get it used to like if they make something, it's not like you know you can go get something else. I'm not making anything else. You right. know, what you have is yep. what you have. Yeah. So it's like so you could either spend time like you know all day long picking out okra or whatever tomato, you know half tomatoes out of the soup, 
or whatever you're eating, or mm-hmm. you can just try to eat the damn thing. Yeah. You just go with it. Really? Yeah. Do you have to do that here? Yes. Okay. Anyways. Um, yeah, so, like, for me, I like carrots. I like cabbage. I'm growing spinach. Matt makes this awesome chicken lasagna with spinach. No, you you can cook when you try, when you put your mind to it. Um, what onions? I love onions. And you know, it's funny because last year I tried growing onions in the grow bags and nothing took. But then this year I started seeing onions sprouting up in the grow bags from last year. So I don't know what happened. I thought that they would die over the winter and you're out there cleaning up last weekend. Volunteers. Yeah, and they were doing great. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to plant more. We planted some in the, the cups for indoors, but um, it'll be interesting to see how good those grow this year. Um, what else? Cabbage, carrots, onions. Um, we're going to grow cucumbers because that's one of the things you can have on keto. Cucumbers, they're good with ranch, and they're good too for your skin. So again, you know, you don't, not everything you don't have to eat. You can use it for other, like aloe. I've got a nice aloe plant, you know. Um, what else? We said spinach already. Um, I'm going to grow spices too. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. That's another thing. I'm going to have a whole section of just, you know, the herbs. Um, I've got mint this year. I've got some lemongrass. I've got lavender. Um, and those you can grow indoors, you know, like you're talking about on your windowsill. That's good to have like a little bit in your house, so they're right there, so you don't have to go out in the garden. Um, but it's good to have them out in the garden too. Um, what else? What are like uh, cilantro? I've never grown cilantro. We're gonna try that this year. Grow cilantro. Yeah, yeah, it's an herb, and so um, it'll be. Oh, I guess it's a garnish, really, to put on my tacos. <laughs> I can still have tacos doing keto because like if you to- can't, if you do not get corn right. We're not gonna talk about that. That's why I bought all the mus or the yeah. mice in the bag, so I'll be able to make this. Um, and what else? What are things that you like? What are some of the vegetables that you like? Give me them all. I even like uh, kale. Oh no! See, I'll grow kale for the neighbors that didn't grow their own gardens. That's what they're gonna get. Some kale. Here you go. <laughs> you didn't listen. Uh, lettuce, romaine lettuce. That's my favorite. Um. No, well, that's the iceberg lettuce, and there really there's not a whole lot of. No, no, what is that iceberg lettuce? Yes, the, the, the strips that you got. Like no, that's both? romaine. That's romaine, but we every time we grow it every year, it comes out. Yeah, we don't. I grow... think it's just the variety that you're getting. Well, there's different. different varieties, right? And I'm not sure. Um, I tried growing three different lettuces last year, and just the one took, and it was the one I didn't like. It was like grass, so I was like, the big leafy one. Yeah, that's not my favorite. Um, but I mean, if if worse comes to worse. Oh, you're going to eat it. Right. I'm going to eat it. Exactly. Um, what else did we grow last year? I don't remember. Um, I can't remember. But yeah, we, we grew a lot. And I, I just remember, though, the, the carrots did amazing. And the peas and the beans, those were really good, too. And those grow upwards. So we're going to have to figure out something this year. Beans you can grow inside. You can? Beans? Green beans? Like in a potted plant? Potted plant. Grow. Just keep them going. Mm. Okay. Um, Well, this one, it says um, how to prepare and fertilize the soil. So it says where the soil is deep, it should be spaded or plowed to a depth of 8 to 10 inches. On thin soils, be careful, however, to dig up very little subsoil. Heavy soils should not be worked while wet. Well-rotted leaf mold, horse manure, cow manure, or other decayed organic matter, if obtainable, should be worked into the soil in amounts up to about a bushel per 25 square feet, so about 20 tons per acre. The spaded up masses should be crushed and roughly leveled out as the spading progresses. After the soil of the small garden is spaded, stones or trash at the surface should be removed and clods broken. The clods should be broken up finely with the rake instead of being removed from the garden. Immediately before planting any of the garden, that part should be finely worked up and smoothed with the rake before laying off the rows. In locations where the garden spot is not likely to be damaged by washing or blowing during the winter, 
It is generally helpful to spade or plow it in the fall or early winter and leave it rough. This makes spring preparation easier. If, however, there is danger of washing or blowing, the soil should have a winter cover on it. In the north, gardens may have crops growing in them until so late that it's difficult, if not impossible, to grow a cover crop or rye or some other suitable kind before winter stops plant growth. In such areas, dry manure, crop remains, or other coarse plant material may be applied to protect and help hold the soil. This mulching material or the growing cover should be turned under in the spring as early as the soil is dry enough to be worked. Very coarse parts of the material that would interfere with the preparation or planting should be removed before spading. So that's kind of what we do. We leave all the extra plants and stuff there to kind of keep that soil there. And even the leaves, you know, we have a lot of leaf coverage, even though we live in a newer subdivision, so there's not a lot of real tall trees, so we don't get a whole lot of leaves. But somehow we got leaves in all of our garden beds and they cover the beds in the winter. So, you know, we just kind of left that and crushed them up a little bit and put it in the soil. And, um, you know, it actually ended up working out to our favor. You know, things like that, again, when you're just learning how to garden, you don't realize that kind of stuff that, you know, it's actually helpful. So leave it, you I know. Our backyard's turn into Jumanji. It's got its own little ecosystem. <laughs> yes, you got it birds over there and then yes. seeds that you could fall on the clothes that are, you know, hanging on the back uh, back fence for sparrows and everything. You got rabbits that come historically and the dogs go crazy. Foxes. Yeah. We got foxes in the backyard. Yeah. Um, and then I remember growing up and then going in the garden and I getting my hand tore up by garden snakes. Terrible. What is that? Little tiny snake that doesn't have fangs or anything like that, but they, they typically are in garden beds and stuff. Like those spurs that we had in Texas? No, I'm not talking about spurs. I'm talking about an actual snake. Oh, a snake? Yes. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we don't have that. We've got rabbits in our garden. We have rabbits too. <laughs> yeah, but we don't have snakes up and here. I remember, like wasp nests. Oh stuff. yeah, we get those too. But you know, like you said, um, we are, um, you know, we we've created our own little um genome here right like a little you know that's why we plant in the wildflowers we were you know pollinators for the birds and the bees and and they help us out we help them and they help us so um it, it's really important that we have that um and it's another reason why we planted the trees whenever we leave here whoever is going to move in this house they'll already have everything set up for them no they better not um, so here's just some early spring plantings. It says four to six weeks before frost-free date. Cabbage, lettuce, onions, peas, potatoes, spinach, turnips. Uh, this is two to four weeks before frost-free date. Beets, carrots, chard, lettuce, mustard, peas, parsnips, and radishes. Um, and then it says frost-free date. This is late spring or summer plantings. Beans, beets corn, sweet, squash, tomato plants, two to six weeks after frost-free date, beans, snap peas, beets, corn, and sweet potatoes. And then these are late summer or fall planting, six to eight weeks before the fall freeze. Beets, collars, see that's why. Kale, mustard, spinach, and turnips. So I'm going to plant the kale probably in... No. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm going to plant it. I'm gonna make you eat the kale. Oh no, I won't. We so tried the start kale smoothies. Right in your your uh no in your uh, salad there. Nope. Um, and so the last part of this it talks about cultivating and mulching, watering or irrigation, proper harvesting and use of products, home storage, and then dehydration and canning. So I'll read that last part because that's important. Because of the shortage of metals, especially tin, and the difficulties of storage in the natural state. There's a greatly renewed interest in the preservation of vegetables by dehydration or drying. As mentioned in the preceding section, ripe pea and bean seeds dry naturally and keep well if insects and moisture are kept away from them. <clears throat> Cabbage, onions, carrots, and sweet potatoes are being dehydrated commercially on a large scale, as are a number of other vegetables. Sweet corn in the roasting ear stage has been successfully dried for generations by thrifty farm wives. It's not the purpose of this bulletin to go into details of food preservation. However, the possibilities of drying and canning should not be overlooked by those gardeners who can thus add to their food supplies. 
The following publications on these subjects can be obtained from the Office of Information, United States Department of Agriculture, Washington, D.C. So, um, yeah, I mean, th this pamphlet, and there's so many more of these, and I'll share the link to where I found these uh, on my Telegram page. Um, but there's just so much good information. And, you know, it's it's kind of sad. Well, like for you, your grandparents kind of passed that down to you, that knowledge, you know. Yeah. I grew up in the city where, you know, my mom and dad planted flowers and we had a big pool in our backyard. So we didn't really grow any vegetables. We In Chicago, your backyard, you've got enough room for a pool. And that was literally all the space we had. Um, and so we weren't able to have that passed down to us. And my grandparents didn't farm, you know, so passing this on to our children, you know, through homeschooling, you know, having them out there garden with us and do all the, the great things is just truly important. Um, That's a survivor skill too, right? Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's see. So just some things that I kind of learned while doing all this gardening. Plants, we taught this to the kids last year. Plants need like three important things to, to keep them, you know, growing. So potassium that protects plants from disease and helps provide stem strength. It also um, keeps them from wilting. Uh, nitrogen makes the plants strong and phosphorus helps plants catch energy from the sun. So, um, you know, there's so many different ways that you can get nitrogen and potassium and phosphorus. Um, it says for, um, I was just thinking of my notes here. So potassium, how do you know if your plants need potassium? They'll look brown and scorched and then they say like the veins of the plant, they'll start turning yellow. So um, six things that you can add organically to your plants to help with that is alfalfa meal, green sand, which I don't know what that is. We'll have to look that up later. Wood ash. You know, we have the fire pit outside mm -hmm. and we've got the wood burning stove. So saving all that ash, we're going to put that in, you know, with the soil when we go plant outside. Um, potassium sulfate or sulfate of pot, potash, potash, um, sulpomag, which is naturally occurring mineral, and granite dust. So like granite countertops, the dust from that? Mm -hmm. Really? Um, nitrogen. Um, nine things you can use to add nitrogen to your soil is blood meal or alfalfa meal, diluted human urine. Yes, that is a real thing. You just save your urine and you mix it with water and you throw it on there, I guess, because, you know, the added nutrients or mm -hmm. the, that we didn't use. Um, manure tea, which there's a recipe for that. Compost, chop and drop mulch, plant nitrogen fixing plants. Um, it says to stop tilling. You might be tilling too much. That could cause, you know, an unrest in, in the soil. Um, polyculture and mulch. And then for phosphorus, it says you can use bone meal, rock phosphate, fish meal, green manure, uh, animal manure, which it says not to use dog or cat, but you can use cow, pig, chicken, and horse. Worm castings, which again, that's so weird. Compost and then lime. So there's so many different ways, you know, you can help treat these. And there's, you know, you can do testing on your soil to see what it needs. Um, but I'll just run through real quick why the plants need these three, uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. So nitrogen helps the plants grow strong and healthy. It helps maintain um, and gain energy through photosynthesis. Without nitrogen, plants don't grow as tall. Um, without, yeah, that's why I haven't either. Mm, <laughs> for me. without nitrogen, their old leaves turn yellow, which is called fluorosis. And the chemical symbol for nitrogen is N. Um, and I'm going to share some information. This is from the Nutrients for Life um, Foundation. They have a really good, uh, I ordered all this free materials for homeschoolers. Um, and I'll share the link for that as well. They sent us these cards and posters and coloring books. It's a really great um, resource to have for homeschoolers. Uh, the next one is phosphorus. Without phosphorus, plants don't grow as tall as their and their old leaves turn purple. Without phosphorus, plants don't make seeds. Their flowers don't bloom and they don't make fruit. Um, it helps plants with respiration. It helps plants store and move energy. Helps plants use water. 
helps plants grow strong roots, helps plants make flowers and fruit, and the chemical symbol for phosphorus is key. Um, and like Mary said, yes, be careful though, because too much nitrogen can make a lot of green, but less oh, fruit. That's doing electroculture. That's the, what we're talking Look about with the copper. Culture. Oh yes, we're going to try that too. So like people think it's like new cutting edge, but it's, no, it's been around from like, like 1700s. They've hidden all that information from us. But like the first one I think was Abby Bertham, who's a French naturalist, and he uh, pretty much talked about electric electrifying, spraying electrified water or water that had been had a, a electricity passed through it as a first means, and also he you know had his apparatus where it was forcing uh, electricity into the ground. We're doing it through with copper as well. Right. Yeah. We're gonna take a copper coil or copper and just wrap it around some garden stakes and you know put it near the trees in the garden and it's supposed to what is it it helps it helps revitalize the soil so and so it's uh, it's you know soil provides life to the the plants and you know the fruits vegetables it draws all the nutrients out and this is a way to yeah and it says sometimes you can grow i was reading like um vegetables tomatoes carrots three times the yeah. size of what we're it, used to oh electricity in the soil germinates a lot better mm -hmm. I was reading, so I was like, because you're equaling everything out the way i think god intended it to be you know we we see all this stuff being sprayed in the air i mean it, it's clearly you can see it you can't deny that you know in between our, our water the way that the water comes down it's always dirty and you know so having that um that will help even everything out and mm -hmm. let it have you know like a healthy growing area um, and then the last one is potassium. So potassium helps plants fight disease. It helps plants make energy from food, helps plants control water inside of them. Without potassium, plants do not have energy to grow. Without potassium, the older leaves have burnt edges. Without potassium, plants cannot fight off diseases and pests. And without potassium, plants cannot live through the winter. So the chemical symbol for potassium is K. Maybe I should get some more cake if it's the use of the day. Yeah. No, me, I had a potassium problem. They'd always come and eat bananas, you know. Um, but, yeah, potassium is truly important. Remember my potassium was real low that one time and I had to go to the hospital. I had to stay overnight because it was just so low. Yeah, potassium is definitely important. And, you know, even for plants, you don't really realize, you know, like us, plants need a lot of vitamins and minerals and they need sun and they need water. And I think it was Kit Kat saying that she talks to her plants, you know, and that sounds silly, but vibration. Yes, all, kind of, all of that. Yes, it, it's all um, important, truly. And I always pray over every single plant that I plant in the ground. And, you know, Matt planted those trees and I went out there and just prayed over them. And I would like, they always talk about, uh, they say that, uh, uh, what was it? Something in, in science. Somebody was trying to record pink noise. Pink noise? Uh, or a variance of noise. And they were actually noticed that whenever uh, uh, plants actually emit a sound, whenever they're in distress or, you know, getting cut and all that sort of stuff. So now when I'm cutting the grass, all I can think about is like, you know, <laughs> it's this absurd <laughs> sound that I cannot hear of this, you know, thousands of blades of grass because they're crying at one time. Well, they are. You're hurting them. But you know what's really funny though is, you know, growing up and even now we live in a subdivision, if you have any kind of weeds, you get in trouble. You'll get a citation for having weeds. They make you cut them. But they call them, uh, there's a law like they're uh, actually in a lot of states and stuff. What they call those uh, grievous weeds or like, uh, it's like an actual term they use for them. But they have like a whole ordinance on like weeds and you know, what can be acceptable. Right. And what can't. Yeah. But it's funny because the, the ones that they need you to get rid of are the ones that are actually, they have health benefits. The dandelion tea, like truly. Yeah. And then of course the company puts out the weed eater. It's all, this is causing cancer. Well, it's different. It would be what, bear or bear. Bear. Yeah. Bear. Yeah. It's all connected. And so, you know, learning all this stuff. I'm going to get rid of your dandelions, but I'm going to give you this pill instead. Right, yeah. We're going to make you more sick so that you buy our medication. That's what it's all about. So, you know, like Jenny Lynch, she always talks about all these different things that you can take for, you know, different ailments that you have. 
And a lot of it, truly, you can grow your own. You can go forage it. And that's the next thing I wanted to start teaching the kids is, you know, we went out for a walk. We always find new, um, like, uh, preservations to go to. And so we found one with a really nice lake, and you can kayak out there. But there was just a lot of green coming up. And I wanted to take pictures. I, a couple of people had mentioned that there are apps you can download, and it'll tell you what... Um, It'll show you what each plant is and, you know, the benefits and all that. So, um, I, yeah, I will look for that. Um, but, you know, just going out there foraging and I've got a couple different foraging books and things like that. So just learning what's out there and what you can and cannot have. We had something growing up out of the cracks in our patio. We've got those, what are they like? 24 by 24 blocks or whatever yeah we, we concrete we, blocks we, we, yeah we put the pavers in place and then we put sand sediment right. and then knocked it in place and then my lo lovely 10 year old daughter uh took the water hose and uh and then the leaf blower and removed the, uh, the sand because it was ugly yeah so and now, now we got, <laughs> we've got i guess it's spinach growing out of it and i'm just like i have to power wash all that well, no, that's sand. good. That's good to have. Well, it's good to have, but it's just a question of time for it to grow. And like, it's well, hot. it wants to grow there, so we're gonna let it, it grow. It wants to grow there because somebody moved the sand. <laughs> and it just, okay. it, it just didn't jump up out of the ground. And let me be free. It did. That's exactly <laughs> what it did. And I said, you know, there what? was some bird or some rabbit that came into the garden, mm -hmm. came and planted it in between the cracks. Yeah. Well, you know what? If it's meant to be, it will be, and we're gonna let it be because that's where it wants to be. So with that, it's, uh, Connie's going to be on here in a minute. So I'm going to go ahead and just close this in a quick word of prayer. So if you would, please just bow your heads. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, once again, we thank you so very much for all of the, the many blessings that you have blessed us with, Lord. Um, we thank you for the knowledge um, and, and the ability to be able to share what we learn with others, Lord. We know that you've told us that the gifts that we were given, we we're meant to share with others, Lord. So I pray that um, maybe this message will reach somebody and encourage them to to start growing their own garden, Lord. Um, I thank you for all of those who are, are here with us tonight, Lord, um, and for those that will listen later on. Um, I, I just thank you for, for everything and for sending your son to die for us in our sins so that we could someday have everlasting life with you, Lord. Um, just continue to look after us and guide us and continue giving us the, the eyes to see and the ears to hear, Lord, so that we can hear your message, so that we can share it with others, Lord. We know that um, we've got some impeding times coming, Lord, and you're preparing us for, for whatever is to come. And again, we know that through your son, everything and anything is possible, Lord. Um, and you've given us dominion over this planet here. So let us just continue using our gifts and sharing those gifts with others. Um, and we just thank you. In your son, Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen. All right. Well, thank you all again so much for joining us. Um, I'm not really sure what we got planned for next week, but, um, you know, it's always something new. It just God puts it on my heart and I just kind of run with it. So um, we'll keep everybody kind of updated on this. And like I said, I'll share um, all the information that I found that I researched and I'll, I'll put it on my telegram channel. Um, it, it truly is, you know, they have learned, especially Bryson, he loves to be out there in the garden. We got one of those, um, broad, yeah, the broad fork. Um, and we used our bards code and he was out there and this thing is heavy. I was like with my T-Rex arm, I was struggling, but he was out there, he was getting it and he was sweating and, you know, it's just, teaching our children how you know people survived for centuries is just truly important and you know having the skill even the little one she's four she was out there planting and, and she got it you know she knew we had to water and put the seeds and do all the things that we did yeah she was so ready we bought her a little um gardening kit and she loved it she was just ready to go with her little gloves they were too big on her but she enjoyed it you know and you get to spend time out there and get your hands dirty and, and that's good for you too you know my kids they run around barefoot all the time and their hands are always dirty and their faces are dirty and it's like that's how i was as a kid and we were just talking about the other day uh, matt was saying like he was talking with people from work how they always say we don't ever see kids outside playing anymore you know 
we live in a subdivision. It's full of families and there's so many kids around, but they're never outside. They're probably all indoors just playing on their electronics. And, you know, our kids are out there. They're out there playing in the dirt and getting dirty. And even when it's cold, put their jackets on and their boots and, and go have fun. You know, I, I, I um, think this is kind of a lost art gardening and just being outside with, you know, with the Lord. It's so important for our minds and our bodies and our souls. So, um, Again, I thank you all for joining us. And yeah, mom said, get outside. That's right. Um, thank you all so much for joining. And I hope you all have a blessed night. God bless. Since a formula bottle, desensitized everything we knew about our problems, and now we're all roaming the land, saying, "Now did this big lie start?" It's time to put our faith in Him, 'cause it's gone too far. Oh, I believe He died for me. And everyone, anything can be achieved when you count on God. Who's gonna take the lead by putting the life on line? Who's gonna show the children what is wrong and what is right? Who's gonna take the lead by putting? of Christ washes every sin by the minute the sheep are blind all because their mind is a prison and now they're all roaming the land saying how did this big lie start it's time they put their faith in him cause it's gone too far oh I believe he died for me And for everyone, anything can be achieved when you count on God. Who's gonna take the lead by putting the life on line? Who's gonna show the children what is wrong and what is right? Who's gonna take the lead by putting the Putting the life on the line. Who's gonna show the children what is wrong and what is right? He's gonna take the lead. He put his life on the line.